There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. My name is Sam Webb, and I'm here to share some of the most epic conversations I get to have with some of the most fascinating people on our planet. Every episode is dedicated to elevating the conversation around mental health because it ain't weak to speak. I'm a massive believer that a conversation could change and save a life for the better. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Going on, everyone. Welcome back to It Ain't Week to Speak. I hope you're well. November. Wow. Time is flying. I hope you've been able to practice a lot of gratitude, a lot of uh, self positive affirmations. No matter what you're going through right now, things definitely do get better. Life is a roller coaster, that is for sure. Speaking of roller coaster, this next guest on the podcast is going to be sharing some absolute wisdoms into his life. The transition from Australia, Newcastle, all the way across the United States of America. He works in entertainment. I can't wait to bring him on the podcast. But this is going to be very much situated and focused around gratitude. How to kind of be the best version of yourself and always understanding that dreams and aspirations can definitely come to reality no matter how big they are and what other people may be thinking of your career endeavors and your goals and where you want to kind of head to in your life. One thing I really want to touch on and we speak about during this podcast and I think is a huge kind of light bulb moment and it was for myself is whether you've got the skills or the inner talent, that's one thing. You've got to look and focus on the things you can control in your life in order to progress, whether that's in your relationships, your personal life, whether that's even in your professional life. There is only so much that you can do, but the things that you worry about are the things that you should be able to control. There's no point really sitting there and worrying about the things that you've got no hand in making a difference. And that being said, if you're the best person available to other people, you're compassionate, grateful, you're really excited, you bring a lot of energy, people gravitate to those qualities, those characteristics that you bring to the table. Don't ever underestimate the power of that when it comes to opportunities, relationships, life's goals. Because it's not always about your talents and your skills. If you're just a good, great human and you get along with people, you're on time, you're respectful, you're compassionate, you make people better than how you first met them, that's a huge value adder right there. And in some instances, and we'll talk about this today on the podcast, it can change everything. So don't ever underestimate that because then you start bringing in people in your life and you start creating this circle of greatness because you're putting out greatness in the world. And they're things that you should be grateful for. And other people will probably use them as gratitudes in their day. But I can't wait to bring our next guest onto the podcast. His name is Andrew Shaw. He's an award-winning Australian producer who recently relocated to New York City. 
as a producer on the Kelly Clarkson show. Now, he began his career in television in Australia on Home and Away. And then after a few years of work, he ended up on things like Australia's Next Top Model. He did MasterChef Australia. He worked on Nickelodeon Australia. He was also nominated for a Logie Award. Now, in 2016, he moved to Los Angeles to pursue his dreams of working in production. And he had his sights set on working for the Ellen DeGeneres show. We're going to talk about that how that actually worked, the money that he came over with, how he quickly spent it, and he found himself not sure where he's going to end up. We're going to talk about the breakthrough moments, the life-changing obstacles that happened in his life and how he ended up where he is today. I can't wait to share them all with you. He's an absolute legend. When I talk about an energy guy, this guy brings it all to the table. And Look, I'm not surprised as the success he's had in his life. And speaking of gratitude, I'm very grateful to be here today. I'm very grateful to have these conversations with people from all over the world, especially Andrew's time. And I'm grateful for your guys for showing up on the podcast week in, week out, sharing the podcast with your friends, your family. This thing's in over 20 countries around the world, and it wouldn't be possible without you guys. As always, if you like what you're hearing, all I ask is if you can rate the podcast. Simply just take two seconds right now, scroll to the bottom, click on five star if you think it's worth a five star. Leave a quick review. Tell me you like it. Tell me that things could change. Reach out to me. Tag me. It will help this podcast reach more people around the world, which is basically the goal here so that we can make more of an impact and help other people. Anyway, enough about that. We're going to have a lot of time here to discuss that. Let's get Andrew Shaw onto the podcast. Without further ado, brother, take it away. Andrew Shaw, welcome onto the podcast from New York. Well, I shouldn't say from New York. You're in New York. A little bit Aussie. You're an Aussie. What's going on? G'day, Webby. How are you doing, my friend? I am on top of the world. What's going on? Well, firstly, mate, I'm very excited to be here with you today having a chat. No, I'm so happy to be here, mate. Yeah, about your career, a little bit about what you do, how on earth you ended up in the US of A, (laughs) why you're in New York. There's a bunch of things I want to talk about. Let's do it. Just to set the scene nice for all of our listeners, Mm -hmm. where on earth are you from, man, in Australia? (laughs) Oh, I'm from a wonderful country town known as Newcastle, Australia. So I, uh, I, boy, yeah. you're a newie lad. I'm a wow. newie boy. That's where my mum and all her side of the family grew up. And so I had such a, I mean, when you, everyone always complains about their hometown, but when I go back to Newcastle at Christmas, I literally walk around in awe going, holy shit. I literally am like, holy shit. We got to grow up in this place with these beaches and this landscape. It was really kind of something special. And now in hindsight, I'm, I'm more appreciative than ever. Yeah, especially when we, like, you've been here a hell of a lot longer than I have. How long have you been here for? Now, like, I've only been here for four years. You can't even tell, mate. You're still so Aussie and wonderful. You haven't got that LA harshness? My accent's even gotten harder. It's gotten stronger. It's actually such a great thing. Every time I'd see you at the gym, when I lived in LA, every time I'd see you at the gym working out in the morning and we'd say hi, people would literally look because we're both these two, like, Ocker sounding. I was going, oh, yeah, mate, yeah. how you doing? Oh, what's up, mate? Have a good workout. <laughs> it's crazy. I was like, yeah. is this a TV show? Who are these characters? This is hilarious. And, mate, New York. I've had a couple of guests on this podcast. Sorry, from Newcastle. From New, from New York. I'm a big, big fan of I'm following New York, the mate. new you. in my cities that I live. I know, I know. I'm getting mixed up. New York, Newcastle. Sorry, I've had a really good friend of mine, actually, who lives here in LA. His name's Jake Myoski. So we had him on a few episodes ago talking about uh, a little bit about his transition. He was right hand for Chris Brown for 10 years. 
as his music director. But, mate, not to get too uh, sidetracked there, we're talking about you here. <laughs> Don't you try and put this on anyone else. What did you do back in New- – like, I know that you've been in – let's just call it the entertainment industry. You've been in the industry for quite a while. What made you get into that, mate? From back in Newcastle, having dreams to being in the entertainment industry and now in New York, and we'll talk about that transition, where did it all start? I mean, look, I, I grew up in Newey kind of not knowing what I wanted to do. I was always this. Like, I always knew I was different. I always knew I had like a personality that was very big and positive and can do and just like love to be there for people and make other people happy and be around that environment and you know just bring joy to people I always knew that I was a little bit different from my small country town and so I had so many questions of where I'd be going and then at the age of 15 I just had this vision I was watching the Ellen DeGeneres show and I was like this show is so much fun it is so joyful and she's constantly giving back to people and I love that so much and I just said at the age of 15 not knowing anything about TV production or how to get there I just said that's gonna be me one day I want to be the person helping tell those stories not the host like as, as a producer like helping give back to people and bringing people joy and making TV out of it I was like that sounds like my ideal job and so I just kind of set that as my goal and I didn't let anything falter me from that. So I went to university and I studied visual communication design at Newey University. And then as soon as I finished that job, through my lecturer, Susan, who was just incredible, she introduced me to one of her old colleagues who worked at Home and Away. And he got me an interview and I interviewed with them and they hired me the next week. They were saying, you're perfect for this kind of role. Come in and see how it works. And I had my foot in the door and I just took off. It was so incredible. What did that foot in the door look like? Like, obviously, everyone in Australia knows what home and away is. Yeah. What does a foot in the door look like? As you're coming out of college, you've been introduced to someone. Yeah. What's it look like? What are you doing? You're coming on set or are you behind the scenes? Yeah, well, first of all, I started off as a driver and production assistant. So I would literally, besides being a production assistant, I would pick up the talent, the celebrities, the new talent on the show and drive them to Palm Beach because it was an hour away and it would always be in their contract while they're getting settled into like Sydney and their new place that they would get picked up and driven. And there's like little old me, 22 years old, in like the <laughs> state of my Ford Focus, whatever it was. It was probably a Commodore actually. And we were just like driving up to Palm Beach with like Esther Anderson, who's now a dear friend of mine. She was one of the first people that I used to pick up and drive up to Palm Springs. Uh, Palm Springs, I'm in LA. Oh, no, here Palm we go, Beach. Mate. We're so alive. Palm Beach, it was a hoot. And I was just kind of like wide-eyed going, how is this happening? And like picking up Lynn McGranger sometimes, bloody Irene. It was iconic. Like these people were people I watched and looked up to for so long. And suddenly I'm going, I'm this kid who's in this industry. I'm not going to fuck this up. I want to continue here and just keep building and growing. And really just that job really set the tone and the foundation for, you know, this is incredible. What can I do to keep learning from all of these amazing people that I'm surrounded with? And uh, yeah, I never stopped. So when you went from being a PA, production assistant, chaperone, whatever you want to call it, and you worked your way up, you listened, you learned, you had this yes, and you had this motivation and inspiration and drive to kind of get your foot right in the door and work your way up. And for people listening that are in a role, whether it's in entertainment or not, and they're wanting to work hard and learn more and work like work their way through and you know a company or an industry to find where their real hotspot sits. What did you put that down to for you, man? Like, is it the drive? Is it just the want to have it, or are you just a curious kid who's very open-minded? Great question, mate. 
And I bloody love your passion. I wish like we were here in person. I just adore you, mate. It's a combination of everything. It's a mixture of the fact that I have this drive because I'm this kid from Newcastle, Australia that had these dreams that people kind of laughed at. I'm not going to lie. I had a lot of people who were against me, not friends, but I mean, like I would meet people and I'm this big personality and I'm a lot for people sometimes, especially when I was young. <laughs> and I would tell people, I'm going to work on the Ellen DeGeneres show. I'm going to be in media. And people would just kind of laugh it off like, oh yeah, good luck, mate. You'll never make it there. It almost like spurred me on a bit more, not to show them wrong, just to show myself because I set my goals and my dreams to show myself, fuck them. I'm going to make that happen for me. And it's always been the most joyful experience. But what has really sort of got me to where I am is I ate that drive, like you mentioned. I had such passion and drive to want to have more for my life, to want to have the biggest and best version of my life and my career so that I could reach those goals. And so that drive was always in me. B, I live with utter gratitude. I am so grateful for everything that I have, even if it's small. I wake up every morning and I say three things that I'm grateful for every morning. So it sets the tone. It sets my intentions for the day and positivity. And so I'm just grateful. So when I'm in an environment like when I was at home and away, I worked for the Nickelodeon for five years with some of the coolest people ever. I just like look around me going, how the heck am I doing what I'm doing? So I want to make sure that I am holding myself accountable for being the best version of myself, for being the best employee that I can be. But then as I became a manager, a producer, a director, I'm like, this is an opportunity for me to shine. I'm not going to let anyone down. And so it just made me always want to do my absolute best. And on top of that, I always like to enjoy myself. So hopefully people like to be around that in the field and in production and it paid off. Well, I can tell you right now from knowing you and meeting you in person, you're very personable, (laughs) very easy to chat to. You've got a really good energy. As are you, my friend. Oh, thank you. And so I feel like that in itself can take people a long way. Do you reflect? I've got two questions here. When you reflect, and I want to dive right into the Ellen DeGeneres breakthrough and where you are today. When you look back, when you go, okay, I want to be on that show and that's what I want to do. Did you see yourself having like an inner talent or a skill or you just really wanted to do it and you were passionate? So you would have done whatever it took to learn and just get there. How interesting you say that. I didn't know what my skills were or my talents and whatnot. I didn't realize at that young age that having a positive, can-do, personable, can fix any kind of problem personality, that that's a skill. Like I always thought like, oh no, a skill is like a welder or a painter or someone who is a cameraman or an electrician, you know, that's a skill that is tangible. It took me a long time to realize that being positive and being able to fix problems and working hard and being there for people and the, the effect that that can have on any kind of production, that is a skill. And so many people have that out there. And so many people second guess themselves, especially in school, where maybe their grades not be as good as other people, or they may not be achieving certain things in sports that other people are. They think, oh God, I'm not good at school. No, no, you need to find what your skills are and concentrate on those and know that everyone has their thing. And that's really sort of, it took me a second, but once I sort of realized that, it was an amazing thing that I could then use to help mentor other people in the industry and people that I was managing to try and make them their best versions of themselves. And I think that's the gift that I love to give back. I, don't, I can't even remember what your question was. I just went on a, on the bed. That was it. And I just want to add my own two cents and correct me, we'll jump in if you agree or disagree or feel the same way. I feel like just being a good person, showing up on time, being respectful, having a sense of gratitude, mm-hmm. which you've got, 
I think is a skill set in its own right, Mm. which is kind of what you were saying. I mean, I feel like just being yourself, being a genuine human who's authentic, who's transparent, who's open to change, who can see things from a number of different perspectives, not someone that's closed-minded, you're kind of already putting yourself out there and people want to gravitate towards that. So they want to make you learn more. They want to get you successful. So I feel like that comes with it. Hey, it's not like you have to be the smartest person. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. And I mean, I've never felt entitlement that I was owed anything or that people need. I made things happen. I was like, no one's going to give me anything. I'm going to work so hard. And then people trusted that. And then when you have trust of people and they know that you will do a good job and they like being around you, hopefully, it really does open doors and allows you to do so much more because if you're complaining about everything and everything is someone else's problem, uh-uh. like it's, I don't want to work with people like that. And it's an energy drain. And so when you're around people, like-minded people who are all like, okay, what's the problem? How can we fix it? Let's do it together. This is awesome. Let's have a great day. No matter what happens, like look at what we're doing. This is incredible. That kind of like-mindedness is amazing. And I feel like that's what I bring to every single job that I've been in, like being able to bring that in. And people comment, like my current boss, this gorgeous, amazing Kelly Clarkson, she always says, Andy, your energy is just like infectious. Do you know that? I'm like hearing that from your boss, someone who is an absolute superstar. You go, it's nice to have that effect and to be seen because I never Mm. did any of what I do to have people recognize it. I always wanted to make other people happy and feel successful and and loved and seen. And so it's awesome to be in that environment with like-minded people. Yeah, and I think in this industry in particular, you and I are both in the entertainment industry, I feel like it's probably definitely more about being around people who are just good humans that are great energy yeah. than anything else because there are so many toxic people in this world. And I hate that word so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't like it. <laughs> so I feel like the value on those qualities is probably – being undervalued by a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. But it's also been expected that people are going to be a certain way in this industry. And for so mm. many years in this industry, there was like a precedent set by this power play of people who were in positions of power who were abusing that and were potentially like belittling and bullying and even like mm. sexual harassment, as we've heard in many stories. It's like people abuse that power and it creates this tone and this culture in this industry that was really just awful for what an incredible place this is and i'm so glad that things are and still there's a lot of work to be done but i'm so glad that there's been this pendulum that has kind of swung due to all of the publicity and the visibility mm-hmm. that you know we're not really able to tolerate that anymore and to now work yeah. in an environment where literally everyone that i work with is so incredible and positive and can do and hardworking but kind Kelly's motto is, I don't work with assholes. It's as simple as that. And so everyone is just so grateful to be there and we all lift each other up and get the most amazing results. That's what it's all about, huh? That's exactly what it's all about. And my other question I had for you too, because I hear it a lot, you know, and I do it myself, gratitude. Oh, yeah. You said you practice gratitude most Every morning. Every morning. So because there's so many different types of angles that we can talk about gratitude. And I just want to try and set an expectation for people listening because we hear about gratitude, resilience, and these buzzwords all the time. Yeah. But then you can look at gratitude, right? As are we grateful for the things that we have? For example, would I be saying I'm grateful for the roof over my head? I'm grateful to be able to wake up of a morning and go for a walk in this beautiful, sunny place. I'm grateful to be able to have an opportunity and live here in LA as opposed to being forced to live in Australia and not have any options. Or do you look at gratitude as an internal thing? I'm grateful 
because I show up for my friends all the time. I'm grateful because I'm actually compassionate. I'm kind. I'm honest. Well, do you look at gratitude as an internal thing or an external thing? Because I feel like I'm hearing mixed things all the time. It's and such I just an interesting you thing. Do. Yeah, no, look, every single one of those is part of gratitude. But I'm someone who, even though I have this big personality, I don't like to have focus on me or to look at myself or I hope that I feel like I'm humble to other people. I don't like to like be grateful for me. I'm usually grateful for external things. But I do say a lot of things that I'm grateful for in terms of like what other people have brought into my life. So for instance, I will say things like I am grateful that I'm healthy and I'm living in this time where gay people have more rights in society, even though, you know, there's a lot against us right now here in America. Don't know if you heard. But, you know, I'm grateful to live in this time. I like to say I'm grateful for having running water because I get to literally go and drink. And I know there are communities in this world who literally don't have that. And so being able to ground yourself in this privilege of where we live is part of gratitude. But even the hard things in my life, I have been grateful for. So some of the things I said in the morning, like, I am grateful that I went through that really fucking hard thing because it taught me this and this and this skill, and I'm now a better person for it. So always being able to reflect on the good and the bad has been something that's helped me really remember how far I've come, where I am in life, the amazing people I had the fortune, good fortune to be able to be surrounded by, and I'll continue to sort of always reflect on that so it stays within my gravity, hopefully. Yeah, that's awesome. And does that set you up for a good day as opposed to doing gratitude? Always. Dude, I wake up this morning. I'm in a great energy already, but this morning I woke up at 5.45 a.m. Oh, yeah, of course. My legend <laughs> of a friend. No, this morning, um, Kelly Clarkson actually performed on uh, the Today Show here in uh, Times Square at 30 Rock. That's like 5.45 fans are turning out. So I've been up since super early in the morning. That's 2.45 here, mate, in LA. Happy time difference. It's very early. It's probably why I look so bloody tired. But <laughs> I wake up with this energy from the minute it's obnoxious. Sammy, it is so obnoxious. It's like in Hairspray the Musical. You probably don't know anything about this. I'm way too gay for you. But uh, like, it'll be like, good morning, Baltimore. It's like full joy as soon as you wake up in the morning. Thanks for the listeners who understand that reference. But, you know, I've always been like this. But I set that tone by doing my sort of what I'm grateful for. Then I usually go to the gym first thing in the morning. That's my early yeah, thing yeah. that I do for me because then I have my headphones in. I'm listening to either great podcasts or listening to audio books or listening to awesome music. And I'm working out and it builds me up with so much serotonin and, and all great chemicals. Yeah, I'm always like this in the morning. That's good. And it's a great start to the day. I think it sets a great foundation. Okay, so now I want to bring it all back. All right, so you've done home and away. You've knocked up a few years there. You've got a bit of experience. I've knocked up a few years. I thought, shit, is he going to dig into my past? I haven't knocked anyone up. Nah, 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 nah. (laughs) You dirty, dirty man. Dirty man. Talk to me about the Ellen DeGeneres show. How did you get on there? Oh, gosh. And what was your role? Like, production can be so broad. Like, what is your role in it? Yeah, totally. Well, first of all, like, that was obviously the dream that I set when I was 15. And so uh-huh. I, after I did years of working in Australia, like, I tried to just get as much experience as possible because I just sort of heard about how the industry is in America. And I would hate to start off as a production assistant or someone lower off down, sort of down that totem pole because I just see how hard they work for so long and for such little pay. And it's still like that, which is so sad. Mm. But I wanted to have as much experience as possible. So it gave me the highest chance of getting that dream job at Ellen. And so once I like, I worked at MasterChef and Next Top Model and Nickelodeon for like five years, and it was the best experience ever, learning as much as I could. And then I just was like, cool, now's the time. I need to make that dream come true now. I feel like I'm ready now. So it's 2016, it's February that I actually moved. 
But in 2015, in October, I found out through absolute twist of fate, it should, like, obviously it was meant to be, I manifested it. I won the green card lottery. I won the bloody green card lottery that everyone applies for and tries to get. And I literally just applied for my visa. I was going through the paperwork the week before I won it. And I was about to pay $12,000 to an immigration lawyer to start that process. And I won the green card. It's like, holy freaking shit. Talk about like what you put out there, you get back. So it just all worked out. So I moved to LA. You were just moving here. You were moving here to pursue this. Like you had your eyes and you had no introductions with her at this stage at all. It was like, oh, I was crazy, but I'm also, I know that I'm, like, I'm crazy. I run at things head first. Like, I don't think about niggas and what can go wrong. I think of what can go right. And I'm like, yeah, my dream right. can go right. And so I left everything. I like got rid of all my possessions and I traveled and I moved to Los Angeles knowing maybe three human beings. Now we're just friends. They weren't in the industry. I had two suitcases. I got rid of everything else. And I just came to LA and I started networking like an MF. I was just like meeting as many people, taking so many meetings. I had mutual friends or acquaintances that I knew worked in the industry and I would just take them all to dinner. I spent every dollar of my savings in the first six months of being in LA. It was only $25,000 at the time. I was 29 years old. But I spent it all on like taking people to dinner and flying places and meeting people just to try and break into this industry because it was bloody hard. Because it doesn't matter how much experience I had in Sydney, all the LA people say, but what have you done in America? Exactly, mate. That's exactly what happened with me when I came over here. What were you first doing when you came to LA? Hustling, obviously. Yeah, doing kind of what you were doing. Yeah, 100%. Good on you, mate. Meeting people, going to classes and that. But okay, so you come to LA, you've come here, you've spent six months, you've spent every red cent that you had saved up. (laughs) No job at that time, but you're meeting a shit ton of people when you're in Los Angeles. Where did this connection come from? How did it all happen for you? I don't know if I'm going to get strangely in trouble for telling this story. First of all, I literally had my 30th birthday. September 11 was my birthday and I had $16 in my bank. And I decided to throw, because I'd made all these friends in the first six months I lived there, I decided to throw this like massive 30th birthday party. I went into debt like to throw this thing. I was oh like, it God. doesn't matter. I want to bring so many people together and bring like joy and have fun for my birthday because it's going to lead to something. Anyway. The next week after that birthday, I was poor as fuck. That's hilarious. <laughs> story. I story. Holy right shit. Yeah, I love it. I was on Tinder. Yeah. And I had been chatting with people for months. And like I'd met up with maybe one or two people, gone on a date, you know, whatever. And then this one guy had been really persistent and really sweet. And would be like, look, let me take you to dinner. I'm going to Disney World with my family. You should come with. You're new to LA. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, what a sweet guy. But I just had never really met up because I was so focused on work. And then one night he messaged me and it was like 6 p.m. He was like, do you want to go to dinner tonight? And I was free. And I thought, you know what? Yes, that's awesome. What a sweet, like, let's do it. Let's meet up. Why not? And I went to dinner with this guy. His name was Kevin. And he was just so sweet and so smart. And I loved it. And I told him what my dreams were. And I was like, you know, I moved here to want to work on the Ellen DeGeneres show. And he said, oh, so that's why you came to dinner with me. And I said, what do you mean? Like, do you know people who work there? And he said, I'm one of the executive producers on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential plan on us. mintmobile.com/switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month, unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month, face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 53124 get 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential plan. Auto renews after 6 months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number 1 in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What? Yeah. No. Wow. And you had no idea. I had no idea who, because on Tinder it just says the first name, Kevin. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I don't know who you are. And none of his pictures gave it away. In my mind, I'm like freaking out going, dude, be fucking cool right now. Like, this is what an awesome opportunity to meet this person. And anyway, we had a great dinner. Nothing happened from it, but it was like, we had such a good dinner. We chatted so much. And at the end of it, he was like, dude, I love your energy. You got a great personality. Would you want to come in and meet the other executive producers and take a meeting with me? And I am just like, how is this happening? Like, it was just like, not just someone who knows someone, one of the executive producers. And so I was just so blown away. And so I had a meeting the next week where they invited me to come in and sit and watch the taping okay. of the Ellen show, which was one of the 12 yeah. days of giveaways, by the way. What a cool oh thing God. to be there for. That's correct. I used that opportunity. I had made a booklet that I had printed ideas for segments, for games, for like new series that they could be doing. And I printed it out with pictures and stuff. And I brought it in and I gave them all a copy and I went through it and we had great laughs and chats and I got to meet them all. And it was right before Christmas. And so they said, look, if anything comes up, we'll let you know. In January, as soon as I came back, January 12, they said, listen, we are basically opening up this massive department for digital in the Ellen DeGeneres show where, because, you know, digital's blown up. Everything is digital these mm, days. And they said, look, yeah. we're looking to produce and direct new original series underneath the Ellen umbrella. And one of them has already been bought. It's like making original content with Ellen and all the celebs that come on the show for YouTube. It's called the Show Me More Show, the Ellen Show Me More Show. And they said, would you want to come on and do that? It's like, I just landed my job at the Ellen DeGeneres Show. And it was on the one year anniversary of moving to LA that I started working. That is show. crazy how quick you got in. What is this universe? That is amazing. One year. Man. It was wild. My that heart is, is I saw butterflies thinking about that journey because like we're reliving that. You go, Jesus, this is part of the gratitude, Webby. Like this yeah, is, yeah, it is part of like, holy shit. No matter what happens, 
trusting whatever it is you believe in, your higher power, yeah. the universe, God, spiritual, whatever it is. I mean, mate, this is insane. So, okay, so you're working there. You've got this dream job that you had aspirations for many, many years earlier, 10 years or whatever earlier, maybe even longer. What's a role look like? Because production's very broad. So, like, what were you actually doing? Just give me a bit of a rundown. What was your role in that sort of stuff? Yeah, so I'm a creative producer. I've always been super creative. And so that's like, hence like pitching lots of different statement ideas and game ideas. And so my role as a producer is to come up with content, come up with ideas, with ideas content ideas, okay. and then execute them. So I will be the guy who A, comes up with the ideas, but then on set, we'll be producing talent, directing talent, directing the cameras to make sure we're covering it properly, getting all the right shots, and then following it through in post with our editors, making sure it looks great, choosing, like working with them to choose the right music and designing the graphics and all that kind of stuff to have a finished product that we get approved and goes out to the world. And so I get to do that and consistently come up with new ideas with the team. The whole team is just made up of such amazing, energetic young people who like, they were all so young as well. And I mean, I was 30, so I wasn't that young, but I mean, like they were like 24-year-olds and 26-year-olds who were just all in this environment to thrive and come up with ideas. And because of the power of what the Ellen DeGeneres show was back then, we could do anything we wanted. If I pitched to do something with a celeb in a football field of yeah. this place, and like the NFL opened that up to us and it's crazy what we got to do. And so that's what helped, you know, with all of those dreams that I had to want to give back to people. We got to build houses for people to give back to schools, give them new band rooms and equipment and give people life-changing checks. We got to send an entire class who were from a Title I school to college. They were the first of their generation to be able to do that. And it was just like, what is this power that was the Allen Show? And to be able to be a part of that and to give back to people consistently, oof, what a gift. Yeah, that's crazy. And so you would have seen firsthand experience, like the power of success and the power of what one brand or one person's team and yeah. like let's just call Ellen DeGeneres a brand yeah, because she is. she is. You can see like having such a strong brand can change the world, hey? Absolutely. I mean, it's all about your brand. But also that was also the downfall to the Ellen Show when all of those articles came out because you realize that yeah. that brand, that brand, even though the brand's real, I want to like just say that that Ellen DeGeneres Show brand is so real about kindness and giving back and that was never not right. So when all those articles came out a bit, you know, about it being a toxic work environment and maybe about her character and things like that, it was so hard to live through because I was there at the time, working for them mm. at the time. And it's so hard because I had so much passion and love for, and pride in that show. And so to see that kind of tone surround it was heartbreaking to be working there because yeah. I just wanted nothing but to make sure people saw the genuine good that show yeah, and that stuff. brand really did do for the world. How many years did you spend there? Oh, it was four years, like to the week before I left there and moved on to my next job. So that's a decent amount of time. Yeah, that's great, great, great amount of time. And it's good that you got to your role at the time when you said being a creative producer, you're able to table ideas and a lot of it, you're probably getting a lot of yeses to. That would have been really cool to be able to, execute a lot of the visions that you had because i know a lot of jobs people are in they feel freaking stuck and they have ideas and have creative stuff and they just continually get nah wrong time nah not good enough nah we don't do that there's not a lot of autonomy so when you got into this new job what is it is this the one you're currently at now no so it was a very tumultuous time it was a pandemic all those articles had come out a lot of brands had pulled out from like the ellen show and you know there's a lot of money issues and whatnot and so they did mass layoffs 
like half the digital team. So I was one of the senior producers. Like they just sort of like just gutted the team and got rid of us. So I was a shock. But at the same time, you know, with everything that was happening with the pandemic and whatnot, I thought this is a great opportunity to start fresh, do something different. And it just felt like it was time. I was very fortunate through my years of like building friendships and whatnot. I had met this incredible man called Kevin Huvain, and he's one of the senior leaders, owners at CAA, the, one of the biggest talent agencies in the world. He represents like Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman, Natalie Portman, all the most amazing people. Jennifer Lopez, one of my favorites. And What a legend. Yeah. And so he's one of the most generous, incredibly talented men, but he is just so generous. He gives back to so many people, not just with philanthropy and raising money for great causes, but he's the most connected man in Hollywood to me. And he was, he's just such a good man. And I just sort of reached out to him and sort of said, look, I'm starting a new chapter. I'd love your advice and where you think I should go because you know my skills, you know what I've done. Like, what do you think I should, who, who should I talk to? And he reached out to this legend of a woman called Ellen Rackerton, who was one of the original producers from Oprah. And she was producing this show called Red Table Talk with Jada Pinkett Smith from the Will Smith family. I know it very well. I had an interview with them and they were like, cool, you start tomorrow. And they were like, you're exactly what we need. Come on. We need a field producer who's there on the ground directing talent, doing things away from the table because they're doing more field shoots. And I went and I got to work from Will Smith's house. They literally film in their house. So my next job was driving to Calabasas every day, filming from their house with some of the most incredible. These people on this team were satire working people. And to sit there and have be able to work in their home, it was just like this is insane, man. Your story is insane. It's, it goes back to the gratitude. I got to keep saying yeah, what yeah. I'm grateful for, even when things are. Listen, even though I'm being toxically positive as I call myself, it's been fucking hard. There has been some fucking hard roads. Yeah, of course. Everything from things that happened in previous jobs and things that were very public and things that happened personally. I've had so many downs on this journey. I process them. I reflect on them. And I grow from them. And I say, thank you, and I fucking let them go. Like, I don't want to dwell in any of that shit, which is why I always live with this sense of gratitude. I remind myself what I'm grateful for, because otherwise it's so easy to dwell in the shit, to dwell in that negativity and depression. Like, I suffered from depression for, like, a long period of time, for, like, six months, and I was like, what is this feeling? And it was right after the Ellen Show and Red Table Talk. I was like, what is happening? Because all this negative stuff had happened when I just needed to process it and let it go and say, you know, you're doing okay, you're fine, you'll be okay. It was a really hard time. But, you know, it's those things of being able to reflect on the gratitude to why I do it. It got me out of some really tough, dark times by constantly reminding yourself, you're so fucking lucky. Yeah, so even working a red table for But also being grateful, and I sense that, you're also grateful for the things that didn't go right for you. The things that you learned from, I think, yeah. is also a great part of being grateful and showing gratitude. Like maybe you're grateful about that six months of grayness in your life where you kind of were lost and felt depleted and at rock bottom and you didn't know where to go. Maybe that's what gave you that extra bit of fire and and whatnot. So maybe you are grateful for that stuff too. Like I tend to look at some of my setbacks as being grateful and sometimes they're so hard you almost get off these things and you don't want to give them the time and love that they deserve in a good positive way you're kind of frustrated with them and you resent them but i feel like that only makes problems worse i feel like if you accept them and acknowledge that they happened and they existed in your life and try and use that as like a fuel or a or a moment of okay that's what it taught me and that's what it did for me and this is where i am now kind of thing you know yeah look absolutely i mean don't get me wrong 
I wasn't fucking grateful at the time. <laughs> you know, when you're sitting yeah. in those dark moments, like I'm not going, mm, I'm going to use this as a learning curve. I'm really going to Yeah, exactly. I'm like, of what course. the fuck? I never do why me. I don't do why me because that feels so gratuitous, like give me like a mm. victim mentality, yeah. which I don't do. I just go, fuck, like this is happening right now. I didn't want to have to deal with this right now. Like this is going to be something that is obviously going to last for months or, you know, relationships ending or deaths in the family and things like that, or just like bad things at work. It's those blips that during the time it is hard, but it's how you deal with that and how you react to it is how I've learned is what really defines you and your character. And I've learned that from so many of these self-help books and big audio books that I've been reading. And it's like, you know, it's how you react to things. And I just decided that every and time- And in those moments and in the moments, it's how you react to them as that not so optimal yeah. frame of mind and space that you're in in your life. It's how you are as a person in those moments is how you're represented truthfully, you know what I mean? That's how people see you, especially in the workspace. Yeah. When you react to things going wrong or need to pivot things, and a lot of people can be stressed and swear and it like shuts them down. How I react to those situations with my can-do attitude, how I try my best, not always, that's what makes people always say, you always deal with things so positively or you always like, you get shit done. Like, it's really great. And that's good to hear from people. But in my head, God, if you could hear all the things that were in my head and what I'm processing at the time, but I've learned to take a second, don't react emotionally. Take a second. What's the problem? How can we fix it? We can fix it because we will fix it. We have to. So let's go on that path rather than the, all the things that have gone wrong. What can go right and how can we fix it? And that's always sort of how I step forward now. I love it, man. I love your mentality. It's very infectious, mate. And it is very positive. And I'm sure a lot of people are listening to this and like, I don't know how to become that positive. I don't know where to start. I feel like everything I'm saying is just, it's never positive or I'm positive one time out of 10. Yep. And I think it is a skill, like we touched on at the start of this podcast. I think it is a skill and I think it's something that you learn to finesse over time and you learn from because we're all dealt with major blows in our life. Well, and there you. are, as you know, and as you mentioned, and I can attest to this too, I mean, nothing's ever perfect. And even when things are flying high in your life, we all know that they don't exist forever. Yeah. That is just a nothing fact. Like, there's nothing. There is just nothing. So it really is. And I feel like it's about learning, you know, and if you muck up and you don't see yourself as being so positive, it's don't beat yourself up. Maybe try again next time. Absolutely. Figure out what happened, how you can maybe work on it better. What sort of angle can you do? I think I got some good advice, Andy, from a mate who's actually kind of like a mentor to me. And he said, the secret to life is about slowing down the time between your impulse and your response. Ooh, that's so good. And that's all part of that, like how you react to things. Slow it down. Take a second. Yeah. It's about slowing down that time between something that's triggering you and then responding. If you can slow that time down, it's almost like you're going to master most of life's biggest challenges, I feel. Ooh. And that's something, mate, I'm learning every day. And like, yeah, and I'm anxious. Ah, fuck, I can't get out of this. And I escape the room. Like, how much can we slow that time down is the key, I feel like. Yeah, it's I mean. really good advice. I'll never forget absolutely. that. Absolutely. I mean, it's a beautiful piece of advice. Once you do slow that down, the reactions then becomes your natural impulse. Your natural mm -hmm. impulse then becomes the best way to react. And then maybe you'll learn to be a little bit less emotional or hurt when something happens and not making it about you being a victim or like, why is this happening to you? And more like, okay, well, this has happened. What can I do to fix it? Or do I need to remove myself from that situation? Because if that situation is consistently hurting you, upsetting you, not healthy for you, your reaction can't, isn't going to change that situation or those people, the way they're treating you. 
removing yourself is the strongest thing that I've learned in the past couple of years. If the situation isn't working for me, isn't healthy and isn't feeding me or my future, it's time to step away from that because that is the easiest form of self-love. Remove yourself Mm. in toxic situations. That's a really good point. And again, on the flip side of that, it's some people don't know how to remove themselves and they go back into some people are addicted, Sammy. They're addicted. Correct. And they don't know. They don't know that they are. And yeah, again, everyone's on their own journey. I always wish everybody well and I love showing gratitude and I want to be compassionate and help everyone be the best version of themselves. And I know that everyone's on their own path and we can't judge your path to my path to someone else's path that may be listening to this. We just got to know that we're in our own lane and no one else in this life is on the exact same straight that we are. Absolutely. I talked to a friend of mine literally yesterday who was visiting from Los Angeles, a younger friend of mine. He's 26 and he's in a different industry. He's in real estate, but he was just always comparing himself and saying, why am I not that successful? Why am I not getting those opportunities? Why am I not doing this? I say, stop focusing on what you're not getting and focus on how you can get that. What is your A to B? Stop comparing yourself to other people because everyone's journeys and everyone's paths are so different. And while you might compare yourself to someone, you can consistently feel like you're failing. But as soon as you focus on what you're good at, what your path is, then you're setting your own goals. That's your success marker, not other people. Mm, Exactly. And that's exactly right. I believe in that wholeheartedly. Mm. So we talk about now the red table talk, it come to an end at some stage for you. Yeah, so I only did one season there. Okay. And I got approached by someone over at NBC who was hiring for this new role to basically run the sort of like production side of digital for a little old new talk show for someone that not many people have heard of, the original American Idol, Kelly Clarkson. I was like, are you kidding That's me? Crazy. This is awesome. She is always someone that was just so cool and authentic, like on TV. Whenever you watch her in her interviews and performing, she was just the coolest chick. And I thought, this is interesting. I went through the first interview and multiple different interviews. And What do they look like? Just speed me through a quick interview. What do they look like? Just ask you about your history. Give me an example of things you can add to the team. Like, What is it? Well, totally. I mean, look, I did nine interviews to get this job. At what? NBC. There were so many rounds. And it's because in America, especially with big companies like NBC and all the other studios, it's so hard to fire people this I think what they do is they really make sure that they have the right candidate. And what I kept hearing was it's always the right candidate for the right role. Like that's all they aim for. And so look, I'm grateful for it. I got to meet so many people at NBC. And yeah, the interviews were basically like learning about me, what my skills are, what my passions are, what I want to do. And the main thing about interviews that I've always told friends is that people are just looking for someone to fill a role so that they can make their lives easier. Like what can you do to make that role a success? So how can you solve that problem? How can you solve that problem? So make yourself the best problem solver. It's like an actor coming in. How are you solving the casting director? A hundred percent. And so I was just listening to all the things that they were trying to do with the digital team and the Kelly Clarkson show and their dreams and aspirations of how they wanted to grow. And I told her all the skills that I had that could have made that work. And they were all skills that I learned like at the Ellen DeGeneres show at Red Table Talk at Nickelodeon. I was like, well, shit, talk about the right role ending at the right time. And all those skills came together and I ended up getting this, the uh, supervising producer role there. And I've been producing sort of Kelly and the Celeb Talent and all the original content that we do on our digital platforms that the world gets to see. I've been sort of working with Kelly now for two seasons. We're about to start our third season. When these strikes mm-hmm. are over, we're going to um, get into production. We have, we're on hold, obviously, because of the strikes. 
So hopefully we have, by the time this airs, it's probably we're already filming. So whenever this does air. Yeah. But yeah, we've all moved production from Los Angeles to New York because Kelly was moving to New York. And uh, it's just the most exciting. That's why I'm in New York now because you know she was moving once I've new So this is a work relocation. So part of work, you had to work rather than commute. And it's a full-time gig, obviously. Yes. So mate, you work in right hand to her. So you speak to her, work with it. Like, how does that work? How's that relationship work? Yeah, you know, I produce her and so she'll come into my sort of digital studio and whatever we're doing for that week, I brief her, I film as well. So I'm on camera, I produce, I direct and I take it to post to our amazing editing team. It's all a big, amazing team effort, but I'm the guy who gets to work directly with her, which is such a dream to work with someone who is so genuinely and authentically fucking awesome. I don't know how else to describe it. She's so down to earth and grounded. There's no celebrity bullshit. She's just such a kind, hardworking and freaking talented person. Being able to hear her sing every single day is I stand on the side of the stage going, how grateful and how lucky. Oh. I hate you. Oh God. I'm overusing the word grateful, but how oh, lucky good, am I? It's not luck. We make it happen. How fortunate am I to be able to hear this superstar of a vocalist sing every day. She can sing anything. She does covers of everything. We call it a karaoke. She starts the episode off with a That's cover. Crazy. And she's effortlessly a superstar. It's incredible to watch. I'm in awe. I'm in absolute awe of that woman. What's the best thing about working for her? Being recognized for my all the things that I questioned in my personality and whatnot in the past of like, is my energy too much? Am I, you know, do I who am I? Do people appreciate that? Everything that maybe in the past I had thought, oh, maybe it's too much. She has complimented and said that it adds to her day or the work environment. I'd be able to work for someone who sees you and is grateful for you. It's a really cool work environment. Everyone there, the executive producers, the producers, the team that we have, everyone's just this family and it's so magic to be a part of. And so every day you walk in the office and like, hey guys, what's going on? And everyone's just like, we're all in this New York journey together. So many of us have moved from LA to New York. So many are brand new. New York employees. So how many people are working for Kelly? I don't know the exact number. I feel but NBC like... fund it? NBC fund it? Yes. NBC literally front the show. It's an NBC talk show. And NBC is such an amazing company to work for. Like since I've moved over there full time, it's been so eye-opening to see how it's such a people company. And they always talk yeah, about how like yeah. they're as strong as their employees and their people and that community is always there. The sense of community in the office is incredible. So she's looking at 30 Rock, dude. 30 Rock is the most iconic building in New York for TV, maybe in the world for TV. And so being able to walk around those hallways where like Saturday Night Live is two levels above us, Jimmy Fallon is across the hallway from us. We share a hallway. It's like all of these icons and now we're there. I'm walking around these hallways like I look like Kimmy Tippy Schmidt. You know that. You know what that show is like. I'm like the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt walking around, so joyful. Like holy shit, we get to work here. We're like history. That is made. crazy. It's so cool. And so yeah, that's NBC up at uh over here at Thirty Rock. And so this is like the pinnacle, mate. You must have met some amazing people in your life, and you must know a lot of people. Good on you, dude. I think I'm peaking. I think from now on, my life's just going down. I think I was like, I'm fucked. I'm fucked yeah, from now. The top. That's great. I love that. And mate, after everything that's said and done, tell me, you feel like you've deserved all this, surely? I hate the word deserve only because I'm like, when people say, I deserve this, like I deserve to buy myself. I deserve this holiday. Not entitled. Not as entitled, but I say this because 
there's a lot of similarities between how you are and how I am in my life, right? In terms of we're very driven, we're very energetic, we're about helping other people, we're very kind, we like to put others first, so to speak. A sense of my story and my background is I kind of feel like I'm doing all that because I don't deserve things in my life. So Mm. I feel like I have to go above and beyond. So I wanted to ask you that question in that regard. I think it's an important question to ask. So thank you for asking. I truly believe, not in terms of deserving, but I know what I've learned over time, that what I put out there in the universe and in the world is what you get back. So if you put out positivity and can do and kindness and love, you'll get that back from people. And you'll attract the people who need to be in your gravity. You will. Att- I, my saying is don't chase, attract. And so if you just become the person that you want to be surrounded with and you choose to surround yourself with people you want to be like, you are going to get exactly what you put out. There's a book that honestly, I believe changed my life. It's called The New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. I don't know if you've heard of it. He's incredible. Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I pronounced that wrong. Eckhart Tolle. There's so many quotes in there, but one of them was... You cannot receive what you don't give. Outflow determines inflow. I believe that what I've put out there through all the ups and downs, but mainly through all of the hopefully positive effects that I've had in other people's lives, it has come back to me. And I believe that this New York move, this current job, where I'm at emotionally and mentally in life right now, and the people that I have in my life is the culmination of everything that I've put out there. I'm so, I'm saying that word again, grateful for this. I cannot be more grateful. Mate, I love it. And this whole podcast has been based on being grateful. And I tell you right now, mate, it's impacted me. I'm very grateful to be able to be on the other end of this podcast with you. I'm grateful to be able to steal an hour of your time. I'm grateful to be able to learn a lot of insight from you, mate, in your career, especially with your transition from Australia to here, but also with chasing your goals and aspirations, I think is important. You practice a lot of self-care. I see you when you lived here in LA at the gym and you've got a great group of friends and support mechanisms around you, which I also think helps when you're working and living abroad. Always. So mate, I congratulate you seriously from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate you. I appreciate everything that you've done in the short period of time that I've known you. And yeah, man, I'm grateful for the friendship. Straight back at you, my friend, like meeting, just like I said, it's like what you put out there, you get back and you attract the people that you're supposed to be like. From the minute that I met you, I was like, oh shit, this dude is my dude. Like, you have the most incredible energy and you attract people into your orbit. And that is what I was attracted to. We met to a mutual friend who was a dear friend of mine, Brian Hodge, ours. And from that minute, I was like, oh, this guy is pure joy. He's a legend. But you always give so much back to people. And I was like, you know what? This is my first podcast that I've ever said yes to doing. I've been asked to do a couple over the years. I just didn't really like talking about myself. But when you were asked to want to do this, I thought, what an awesome opportunity to talk to an awesome fella, a great friend, and someone that I really align my values with. So this has been really awesome. Andy, mate, very grateful for you. And I appreciate those kind words. And I hope you have an amazing day. One more thing, dude, while we're here. Yeah, give it to me. Give it to me. The fun thing about this, and another fun fact I love about you is, I don't know if you know, and this is probably going to be the nerdiest, lamest thing, I am a Survivor super fan. I have seen every single season of USA Survivor. I've watched it all, um, and I'm yet to watch the Aussie Survivor. When I found out that you were on the Australian Survivor when I lived here in America, I was like, what a legend. I love this show so much. And I was yeah, like, I okay, know. I have even more respect for you. So I cannot wait. I'll send you the links, mate. Yeah, I'll send you it. this last season. It was let's amazing. Do it. I can't wait. Enjoy it, mate. It was the best season yet. So enjoy it, mate. Take care. Look after yourself. Appreciate and, uh, you. On behalf of everyone at Living and the It Ain't Week to Speak crew and everyone listening from around the world, we're very grateful. Thank you very much for your time. 
And the last but not least, if people want to follow your journey, where can they find you? Find me on Instagram at Andy Shaw Pants. People used to call me Pants because I used to work at Nickelodeon, SpongeBob SquarePants. So yeah, Andy Shaw it. Pants it is. <laughs> okay, and I'll put that in the show notes, guys. But without further ado, take care, look after yourself, big love, and we'll speak soon. Love you, mate. See you soon. Thanks for this. Thank you for listening in to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. Please subscribe to the show and help us climb the charts so that we can attract new listeners and change more lives. If you found something very useful in this episode, please share and spread the love to as many people as you can. Don't forget to leave a review or a comment so that we can grow this community together because a conversation can save a life. If you want to continue this chat, please join me on the podcast Facebook group at living.org. I can't wait to share the next episode with you. But in the meantime, we're going to the top. And remember, it ain't weak to speak. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.